Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. I got to tell you something, people. My guest today, we had to uh, reschedule yesterday because he was caught in the rain, and I'm here yesterday, and we only got like two apps because they sit there, and it says it's going to rain all the time now. Like, I'm going to a Phillies game on Saturday, supposed to rain. I'm going to see David Byrne a week from Friday. I'm sitting outside, supposed to rain. I'm going to see Chicago August 1st, supposed to rain. So I just wish just once these apps would get it right. Anyway, we have a great show today. Uh, my gentleman is a very talented singer, uh, performer. He just is reprising his role from Jekyll and Hyde that he played on Broadway at the North Shore Theater. My guest is Constantine Morales. How you doing, Constantine? Hey, buddy, it's Constantine Maroulis, but good job anyway. I, I, I was going to ask you, you know, because I, I, I was looking and I screw well, up names yeah, all the time. Well, yeah, you probably should have before, but that's okay. Uh, anyway, good to see you. What's going on? Not much, man. So, so what's up with the play? How did, how did it all come about with the um, with redoing, reprising your role of Chuck on Hyde? You know, what's great about uh, getting to work on Broadway a lot is um, – Sometimes you're not working on Broadway, so uh, there's so many fantastic regional theaters out there that put on Broadway quality shows, and, um, you know, the North Shore Music Theater is definitely one of the premier regionals in the country. Uh, last season, I, I did a Vita there, Andrew Lloyd Webber's masterpiece uh, about Ava Perone. Um, you know, we got amazing reviews. We had a tremendous run there, nominated for all kinds of awards. Built a great relationship with the North Shore uh, Theater. I went to college in Boston um, when I when I had first heard they announced Jekyll. You know, it sort of was a no-brainer. Uh, we were both interested in um, in working it out. Um, you know, I'd been touring with Stephen Adler from Guns N' Roses of late, um, so we were able to just sort of work out the schedule. With the uh, with the theater, Bob Cuccioli is going to be directing it, which is like a big deal um, because he's the original Jekyll and Hyde from Broadway from the '90s production. Uh, we brought Diana DeGarmo on board, who from American Idol fame has gone on to you know um, tons of Broadway success, and uh, she's a touring artist herself, and she's been you know doing the songwriter thing in, in Nashville. Uh, so we just have a great cast, and uh, we're really excited about. Uh, getting to work. Um, I love this show. It is a flawed sort of masterpiece that has a cult status all over the world. Frank Wildhorn, an incredible composer. Leslie Bricketts uh, also wrote this show with him. But so it's always it's always like how you're uh, how 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 you're going to uh, how you're going to um, uh, you know produce the show. You know, it's sort of open for interpretation, you know, depending on who directs it. So I'm looking forward to to putting it on uh, this September and October. Uh, the North Shore Theater's in the round. It's 1,500 seats in the round. So for the audience, it's, it's truly a, a unique experience for sure. Now, you said you were singing with Stephen Adler, who we all know from Guns N' Roses fame. How did that come about? And as you being, you know... A rocker, you know. I mean, American Idol. You were playing. You were singing rock that helped you get to the point you are. What is it like playing with some singing like with someone like Steven Adler? And how did that come about? Uh, you know, I've been a big fan of, of course, Guns N' Roses my whole life. Um, Steven's not been in the band, and you know, for a very long time and all. But I just think with the 30th anniversary of Appetite for Destruction, uh, there was some interest in getting some shows out there for Steven and. Basically, you know, our, our teams worked it out. You know, he was a fan of mine. You know, I, of course, know him from 
you know, the Guns N' Roses uh, original lineup. And it's just something we worked out kind of over the phone. We had a very successful Australian tour. We played some uh, L.A. shows and some shows here in the States together. And I'm not sure what the future holds for it, but I definitely had an amazing experience with him um, getting to perform that material and bring a whole new energy to it. And to see how happy it made Steven, um, who's really a lovely guy at the end of the day, he, you know, had a lot of, you know, obstacles in his in his path um, over, you know, the last 30 years um, with his sobriety and whatnot. But um, either way, I've had a great time working with him and um, I wish him all the best. You know, we had we had a great tour and uh, it was just awesome to get to Australia for my first time and. And there's so many American Idol and Rock of Ages fans over there. Um, they're big fans of Postmodern Jukebox, another huge act I tour with. Uh, so they were really lovely. A lot of Greeks over there in Australia, too. So it was awesome to, uh, to engage them as well. Um, but um, I'm, uh, I'm chilling right now. This July, um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of off for the next two weeks. I'm just writing uh, for my new record. And then I, uh, I have a big symphony show coming up uh, with the Utah Symphony early August. Um, it's going to be amazing, you know, just a gigantic symphony and me doing, like, huge rock orchestrations from the 70s. Uh, I heard you say uh, you're going to see Chicago. We're going to be doing some Chicago. We're going to do some Jesus Christ Superstar. We're doing, you know, some amazing stuff. Um, so that's early August with the Utah Symphony Pops, I believe they're called. I think that's the uh, the third, fourth, and fifth. Sorry, that's my other line. Ignore that. Um, and uh, and then I start hair. I'm doing hair um, in New Jersey, um, a big rock and roll concert version of the show um, uh, down in Asbury Park um, at the Axelrod uh, with a very well-known Asbury artist called uh, Remember Jones. We'll be doing uh, doing hair down there with Remember Jones um, and some Broadway people, and that kind of takes me through August and then into Jekyll in September. I got a bunch of solo dates. I'm at the Cape Cod Jazz Festival. I'm at the Winery of St. George. Everything is uh, available at ConstantineMaroulis.com and on all the social media out there at ConstantineMaroulis um, on Instagram and whatnot. Great. Well, I'm glad we got to catch up, and I, I, I might try to come check you out in New Jersey because I'm only an hour away. I'm up in Cherry Hill, so you know you got to love hair. So uh, thanks for taking the time to talk hair, to me. Hair is going to be fun. Believe it or not, it's the first time I've ever done hair. I've been close to a lot of productions, but uh, it's the first time I've ever done it. I'll be playing Burger, and it's going to be a concert, but we're going to be we're definitely going to be staging some of it, and it's going to be pretty full out with like a 30 piece band. And uh, honestly, it's going to be. Less Grateful Dead and more like sort of 70s and 60s rock and roll, uh, a little bit more funk and, and Earth, Wind and Fire version of it than, than total psychedelic, if you know what I mean. We're going to give it a little extra funk this time around. Well, who are your, some of you, you talk about the 70s and the 60s, who are your, some of your musical influences throughout your life? Well, I mean, honestly, I'm the youngest of three. My older brother and sister were always like, my idol, so everything they listen to, I listen to on down. Uh, my brother introduced me to classic rock very early on with The Doors and Led Zeppelin. And then from there, you know, I got into Grateful Dead and Bob Marley and the whole classic rock sort of catalog. 
my sister was a bit more into new wave with, you know, um, uh, I don't know, the cure and echo and the bunny men and early versions of the police and U two And, um, my parents were more into the vocalists like Sam cook and that can cold Sinatra, my brother as well. So that's really all the things that inspired me. And of course I'm an eighties kid. So I, you know, I grew up with a lot of pop, um, with Michael Jackson and Madonna. But then by the time I started really liking girls, you know, it was, you know, Poison, Guns N' Roses, <laughs> Def Leppard, you know, Living Color. Uh, just loved all that kind of stuff as well. Now with The Rock. And, you know, definitely I grew up with musical theater as a big part of, you know, my, the soundtrack of my life. So Jesus Christ Superstar, West Side Story. Um, I... I loved listening to cast recordings and sort of uh, visualizing what the show would be like, you know, if I could stage it, you know, myself, if having never seen really live productions of it up until that point. So uh, that was always fun. And I think that that was when I, you know, early on sort of um, grew in a, an affinity for, uh, for, for acting well, as well. Now with the, uh... With American Idol, you sang a lot of rock songs. Was that your choice? Did they choose what you sang? How does that work out? You know, it's funny. With American Idol, there had only been three seasons before me, and I was training at the Boston Conservatory and at, and at Berkeley College of Music, really leading up into my time there. So I was training full-time, and, you know, this was basically before TiVo and DVR and really wasn't on the internet much um, at all, really just for, for emails. Um, so I had heard of the show, but I never really, I had never watched it. Uh, upon graduating Boston Conservatory, you know, where I trained as an actor and a classical vocalist, I toured with Rent uh, for a year or two on the road, and that, that experience kind of led me into the American Idol audition. I, I really just needed a job. And going into it, you know, it was the first year they had um, they had upped the age limit. Um, so I snuck in there at like 28 to audition. Um, and they just had the cameras on me, like, really from from the first moment I, I showed up at the open call in D.C. I, you know, had my leather and my hoodie up, and they were like, who is this guy? Um, so they, from the beginning, they just had, like, they were just kind of like, who is this guy? And I told them my story. I had a band, you know, in New York. They didn't know I was there to audition. I, yeah, I was kind of doing this behind their back. Um, I graduated, you know, a prestigious conservatory for acting, but I, I really just needed a job. So that story kind of became my, that became my real story on the show. Um, you know, I was the rocker, but leaving my Brooklyn band, you know, this is the height of like the early hipster days of Williamsburg and all of that, you know, I was in Williamsburg long before all these other kids. And, uh, and I just think that was my story. You know, they, they, they played it up. Sure. That I was a rocker less so that I was a trained, you know, performer and, and actor, which was fine with me. And I played into it myself. I mean, it was really like one of my greatest roles sort of, um, in a way, um, playing into, the character they built for me. I don't think I was ever too rock. I, back then, it was really hard to do the songs you wanted to do because artists were still not, um, they were still very reluctant to 
give people their songs on that show. They thought it was cheesy. They weren't really sure what the what the outcome would be. Um, and then when I did Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, which did clear for some crazy reason, and it shot up the digital charts again, I think people were like, oh, wow, this is this is a real thing here, isn't it? Um, and then, you know, Sanjaya could, like, sing a Bon Jovi song and fuck it up terribly, and it didn't matter. It would have, like, a great cumulative spike, you know, effect to their catalog. So that was always... Um, that was always, you know, something interesting to see, like the birth of the digital age with music kind of happening at the same time. And yeah, they, they kind of, they, they had a master cleared song list at the time. And you, you know, they kind of would sway you in a direction. Um, but again, ultimately, you're, you're the one singing the songs. You're responsible for what's coming out of your mouth. So um, I think I had a, you know, really productive you know, turn on the show. I mean, there was no way anyone was going to beat Carrie Underwood. That just wasn't going to happen. Um, but, uh, you know, it was just, it was awesome to just even just be a part of, really. When did you notice that your life started changing? Because everyone was watching that show. Was it after the first episode, after the second episode? When did you start getting noticed on the street? And, Mama, because you had the rock and roll look, you're a good-looking guy, you know, you have the talent. People must have really sought you out. Did your life change? Well, you have to remember back then, I mean, it was literally 25, 30 million people a night watching. I mean, it was really just unbelievable. Three nights a week. When they when they first aired the season opener, um, I actually, the funny thing is this. I think we watched the season premiere together. Um, we were actually taping Hollywood week at the time. So as the, as the season premiered, we were still like competing behind the scenes, taping Hollywood. So I think at one point after Hollywood, yes, I knew that I was going to be moving on to a certain point, but I did come home to New York city for a stretch of time while the first few episodes would air the audition episodes. And you could see like, the first time I left my apartment when I was back in New York and the show had already been airing, but it wasn't, um, but, but, you know, but I wasn't live on the show yet. I mean, people were just, it was, it, I would walk into a bar or something, the whole place would stop. I mean, it was just, it, it was, uh, it was, it was quite evident the effect that the show had. I mean, everyone watched that. I don't care. I mean, people can lie all they want, but everyone was watching <laughs> You know, so it was, it was, it was insane. It was insane. But, you know, growing up in New York, New Jersey, in and around entertainment my whole life, you learned to, to just sort of deal. And it felt like, in a way, a sort of progression in my life. I worked really hard through Boston Conservatory. I was on the road with Rent. I had successful bands. It felt like a progression in my life. It didn't feel like I got plucked out of a mall in Oklahoma and put on television. It felt like, you know, a bit of a, uh, a, a bit of a bit of um, you know, really just my journey. Now in your like, journey, it's like okay, this is this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. Now what what can I do with this? Okay, I got everyone's attention. What can I do with this? And ultimately, I you know co-created Rock of Ages into a worldwide brand, and then that was you know thus far my my grand contribution to uh, to the thing that we do here. Where did so, you? Um, where did your idea for Rock of Ages come from? I know, I believe Jason Sutter was involved with that show too. J 
Jason who? Sutter, Suter. No, never heard of him in my life. So, but yeah, <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, I didn't come up with the original idea for Rock of Ages. They approached me um, when I was still on American Idol, and it wasn't until after I was off the show that I could really, truly talk to them about, um, you know, what it is they had in mind. Uh, they had been doing pop-up sort of club productions of it and, you know, a really old version of the show in L.A. at the time. Um, and it wasn't until it came to New York and it was set to come to New York off-Broadway first with certainly aspirations for Broadway. Um, it wasn't until then um, that I really, truly came on board and with an all-new cast and we totally rewrote the show in the room with the creators. It was a complete collaborative effort. Um, and, you know, truly something um, that I, I'm just like so proud of, you know, I, I think that's every actor's dream is to originate a role like that and to be really a, a part of it from the beginning like that and to see it grow, the word of mouth, then, you know, then opening on Broadway, all the Tony nominations, the, um, the success it's had now really 10 years later all over the world is getting done um it's been uh it's been a true blessing where were you when you found out you were nominated for a tony do you remember was it and it must be it must have been an amazing feeling uh yeah it was an amazing feeling i was at my uh, my old apartment in new york city and um i remember waking up just in time to turn on i believe new york one was the uh, sort of local kind of public access that back then would run the, uh, the live, um, the live nomination announcements and all. Um, that was always pretty cool. And I remember Lin-Manuel Miranda, of course, the creator of Hamilton, uh, he announced my name and he said it correctly. And he said, I think I was the first one to be announced in the best actor category. So it was awesome. I mean, it was a game changer. My phone, you know, was ringing nonstop. And then, Really, my life changed a great deal um, after that. But it's all about sort of like, you know, what have you done for me lately? Everyone's already like, so that was great. What's next now? You know, so it's, 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 it's a sick game that we're a part of. And I'm always working on new shows. I produced a show to many Tony nominations a couple of seasons ago, the Spring Awakening revival. You know, I'm attached to a lot of new works that are slated for Broadway and coming seasons. And, you know, that's. That's the kind of stuff I that thrills me. Um, I'm putting out new material as a as a songwriter. I had a song at radio this year, All About You, which I co-wrote with Sam Hollander, a huge writer. Um, you know, I get to do a little of everything. I tour with uh, this act called the Band of Merrymakers around Christmas uh, with Mark McGrath and Lisa Lowe. That's something we do for musicians on call. It's an awesome organization that provides instruments to. Uh, to underprivileged children and and try to you know instill positivity in their life through music and you know you know musicianship is has definitely suffered um, a little bit with with the digital age. Um, less people are going out there and buying guitar and you know when they can just kind of be their own producer on their computer and which is great. I encourage people to write and produce their own stuff, but play instruments, go out there and buy, you know, a trumpet and, uh, or a guitar, play the piano. Um, it will change your life. And it's something that you'll always have. I mean, it's, it's so nice to see someone that's not 
full time in my business, but at a party that has a normal job, get to sit down at a piano and just remember, you know, how nice it is to just play. Okay, one final. And, uh, sorry. Yeah. I have one final question for you. No, no, it's all good, man. Your new music, you know, you're coming out on your website, you have a bunch of music. Where do you find your writing inspiration when you write for you solo? Not when you're creating a show, you know, you're, you know, because you do that, you have so many, your hands are in so many different things. Where do you find your inspiration and how has your writing style changed over the last, say, 10 years? Well, yeah, um, that's a good question. I think everything inspires me daily. I'm not someone that walks around with headphones on ever unless I'm truly wearing them to learn something, like if I need to learn a song or, or if I'm working on writing. But I don't have my iPhone on or whatever they call it. I, I don't know. Um, you know, listening, listening to iTunes all the time. I just, I just don't do that. There's such an amazing landscape of sound around me constantly, uh, walking around New York City, walking around in the country. Um, I, I'm inspired by, you know, everything around me, nature, family, um, conflict, chaos. Um, I think my writing has, has, has grown. And I think it wasn't until I probably turned 40 that I really was able to dig and, 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 and write, you know, something that was meaningful. Um, I've, uh, I'm growing as a writer. I'm certainly not a, an accomplished writer. I love writing songs. I'm proud of my new material. Um, I think it's my most personal stuff ever. I have um, some new songs out there. You can find them on my website. You can find them on Spotify or uh, iTunes. Uh, and check them out for yourself. The Balance of the Record is going to be um, um, coming out shortly. Um, we're going to be doing some crowdfunding uh, to finish up that record, probably during my Jekyll uh, run. Um, and, uh, you know, these days it's, just, it's, hard to, it's hard to get music out there. It's hard to be productive with it. Um, unless you're Drake, <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, which I love all that stuff, but I, um, you know, rock is essentially dead. Um, but, you know, I enjoy touring with Heritage Acts and, and my own stuff. And I, you know, thank God, you know, Rock of Ages was such a big show that most of the time when people want to hire me for a big private event or something, they really just want me to rip the Rock of Ages type of stuff, bring a couple of hot dancers, bring a you know sexy <laughs> band, and just let it rip, you know, and, and, and don't bore us, get to the chorus. You know, it bothers me that you said that Rock is dead, and you're right. I went to a concert a few weeks ago in here in, uh, in Camden, New Jersey, right outside Philadelphia, and it was Jason Bonham, White Snake, and Foreigner. That's an amazing lineup. Yeah, those are all, I know all those guys. And all, I mean, Joel will, Hostra who basically co-starred with me in Rock of Ages. He's, uh, he's the lead guitar player in Whitesnake for the last couple of years. He's the tall, blonde. Right. He's been on my show. Crazy blonde. Joel's been on yeah, my show. So he's awesome. And, uh, so, yeah, and you were saying what? Yeah, it's There's no one there. That, there was no one at the show. I'm like, these are legends, man. This really? Is, it was like the lawn. Wait. I sat the lawn. It was, it was pretty. I mean, the, the front was sold out, the front section. But the lawn section was pretty empty. And I'm going, you know, this is rock and roll. This is, you're hearing Led Zeppelin, you're hearing White Snake, and you're hearing Farner. You're going to hear hits all night. And I'm thinking why it was mostly older people, but I'm thinking why aren't people coming out to see this? Because it's, it's such well, important you know, I music. Think it, I think it's, you know, it might have been the venue. They might have played too close to there. They've been, they, a lot of times these big summer heritage tour acts, um, you know, 
they're hit and miss. I mean, m- most of the time they do really, really well. Jones Beach, you know, probably they're playing NJ Pack as well, or whatever they call it now. Uh, um, what's the one in Freehold? I mean, I don't even know what they call PNC. Yeah, they they all change their names so much. It's it's crazy. So they probably played there, and then sometimes like you know the Camden show might have just been uh, you know less attended because because basically. Um, you know, they played too close to there already, you know, so that a lot of times it's that, um, it might've been, was it a weeknight? Uh, no, who knows? So. It, was, it was a Saturday. It just, it just makes me sad because, you know, for me, rock and roll has been such a part of my life. And as for you, it has too. And we still but love those me, music. If you don't think those are attended, uh, think of, think of the new band, you know, so <laughs> it's just tough. It's tough. You know, the live, there's so much competition out there it's, and it's just, there's so much content on the internet these days that, it's just hard for people to, you know, for their attentions to be, um, um, I don't know, captured. You know, it's just, it's, it's, there's just so much, people just want to sit home and watch their computers, you know, where and do watch you, Trump. Where, yeah. where do you, <laughs> you know, feel it's like the greatest, you know, it's just like, you know, the, the, the most horrible show on earth, but you can't take your eyes off it. I know it's crazy. It's like a car wreck. You sit there and you go, and, and everything, every day it's something different. Now, where do you feel more comfortable on stage? When you're singing your music or when you're doing musical theater? And is there a difference? Do you feel a difference when you're doing it? It really isn't a difference. You know, I, I feel like I, I approach the, my work always the same. I, I go out there and whether it's 50 people or, or 5,000 people, you know, I really try to connect with the lyrics, connect with the audience. Um, tell a story, whether I'm singing with a band of my own stuff, whether I'm singing with, you know, doing Guns N' Roses material, Rock of Ages, whether I'm in a play. Um, you know, I think the artists people connect to the most are the ones that really internalize, like, the lyrics, the storytelling, really connect to the audience, eye contact. You know, really, it's nice to see someone really go through what they're singing about. And... Um, so that that's my that's my vibe. Um, there's nothing like being in a hit show where you show up there every night, eight shows a week, and yes, we're telling the same story, but improving upon it every night. The tighter we get, the better the show. Um, you know, but I give a Saturday night performance on a Tuesday. You know, that's just I live to be on stage for sure. Um, but you know, I when I'm when I'm doing it, I love touring with bands. You know, and my own stuff and being in the in the van with the boys and the girls or the bus and just kind of you know the camaraderie is is wonderful for sure cool so uh i'm just blessed to whenever i'm working and um and i hope to keep putting out good work i'm not a huge star or anything like that but i'm very proud of the diverse body of work i've i've put out there over you know a 10 12 year stretch well, it's been awesome, man. I want to thank you for talking to me. You have, you have so much going on. I don't know how you keep the energy up. I mean, you know, as we get older, we start Well, I have getting... a seven-year-old daughter, okay. <laughs> so uh, we, live in, we live in the burbs. And, and what I like about living in the burbs is, you know, you get a little break. You know, you, you, you see the city in your rear view. Um, there's beautiful grass and trees and, and, and you know, community around you. And, 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 you, and I get energized from her. She's, she's nonstop and... And I have to keep working and keep relevant for her. You know, she's beautiful and talented and thank God, you know, top of her class reading. And she's going to be in second grade next year. She's reading above her, a, gra- a grade above her head. 
Jesus. I got to be honest. I've been playing MLB the show the whole time I've been uh, talking to you. Right. And uh, it's a game. It's a game on PlayStation. Because uh, I was in the middle of the game and I kind of forgot you were calling. And then I was like, great, we can do this. And now I'm getting crushed, just so you know. I'm sorry, who are and you playing? Yankees, Mets. Okay. Well, I'm, of course, the Yankees. That's all I, that's all I ever am. But this guy, is, all he does is swing for home runs, and he's definitely hit some home runs off me. So he's winning 6-1 <laughs> um, in the eighth. So it looks like uh, I'm going to lose the game. But that's okay. This was a great chat. Well, I'm glad you – I'm glad. good luck for the game. Uh, I'm a Yankee. I'm a Philly any fan. Any of but... you fuckers, any of you gamers out there I think you can get at me, find me. Bohemian Idol 93. That's my gamer tag. Bohemian Idol 93. One word. And give all your, give all your social media stuff for my listeners. You know what I should do? I should go on Twitch and, and, and like, Ninja, those Fortnite guys, and then people just pay to watch you play. Right. Like, that, that, would be my, that would be my dream job, to just do nothing all day but play video games and get paid to do it. But I only play sports games. I don't mess with, like, all those other ones. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, the social media, uh, ConstantineMaroulis.com is really where you can find everything. Instagram at Constantine Maroulis. It's a verified account at Constantine M on Twitter. You know, uh, Facebook, Constantine M official. Everything's there. Uh, find me on MySpace. I don't know. All that stuff. It's all out there. And uh, we love you guys. And thank you so much for listening. And we hope to see you on the road real soon. I got a bunch of shows coming up. New music. Come see Jekyll. Come see Hair. And everyone be safe and good to each other out there this summer. Thanks, Constantine. You have a great day and have a great rest of the week, man. You too, Papa. Thanks. All right. Later.